You are now politicking with Bo. Hi, I'm James Goy Jr., uh, a.k.a. the Attract Money Guru. and I'm on the Poe Politicking Show. And uh, you can um, keep in touch with me by subscribing to my free monthly Mind, Power, and Money e-zine at jamesgoyjr.com. That's james, G-O-I-J-R.com. And when you do sign up for my e-zine, you'll get a free copy of my book, Attract Money Forever, a free PDF download of that book, which is a um, companion book to How to Attract Money, Easy Mind Power. And if you use Kindle, you can go to Amazon and you can get my little uh, book, which is a really great resource. It's called 10 Metaphysical Secrets of Manifesting Money. And you can get a free Kindle copy at Amazon. The Poe Politicking Show is brought to you by Audible. With over 180,000 titles to choose from, Audible is great for any continuous learner wanting to grow and expand their knowledge and insight. Go to www.audibletrial.com slash PO audio and get an audio book of your choice free with a 30 day trial. After the trial, your paid membership will begin at $14.95 per month. With your membership, you will receive one credit every month, good for an audiobook on Audible. Cancel before your trial ends and you will not be charged. So go to www.audibletrial.com slash PO audio and download a free book by Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone, Napoleon Hill, Les Brown, Damon John, and more. Always remember that knowledge is power. Welcome back to PolPolitikin.com, your home for self-help meets hip-hop. Make sure you download our app on iTunes, like, comment, subscribe to this interview. I'm now politicking with a very special guest. I'm very happy to have you on. He's James Goy. He has a lot of money, law of attraction books. He's the attract money guru. So I'm glad to have you on. How are you doing today? Yeah, it's nice to be here, Paul. Thanks a lot for having me. All right. And then, like I said, I was watching your YouTube videos and I like seeing the transformation. I seen like clean cut guy and I now see that. So just talk about the transformation to that guy to who you are now. Right. Well, uh, I guess I, I've, uh, I'm, I'm a recluse basically. I'm a relative recluse at this time in my life. Kind of a mind power maniac. And uh, I uh, just... I've done that uh, several times before in my lifetime, the recluse thing and also the hair and the beard and all. Of course, years ago, it was much darker. Um, but it just came to be that time again. So I just stopped shaving and uh, and uh, started being more uh, reclusive again and getting into my writing and things like that. So it's it's working for me at this time. I, I couldn't go out and get a job at you know, Walmart or anything, but that's okay because I don't need to. So. <laughs> and then, so when you say recluse, because I kind of, I'm kind of guessing why you do that, because to me, I feel like it's just a lot of noise everywhere. And then if you just, you know, shut down and go within. So why do you do it? Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. You're you're hitting the nail right on the head. And uh, year, years ago, I did a, a number of years where I, I had a silence and solitude Sundays, I called it. So from Saturday night until Monday morning, I didn't see or talk to anyone, uh, even on the phone or whatever. And um, I turned off my television. It's been close to five years ago now, and I actually got rid of the television. I'm not saying I won't get another one at some point, 
but it's kind of the same thing that you're talking about, and that is, um, you know, turning off the noise. You know, a lot of it's really um, negative. It's fear-based. It's it's lack uh, consciousness inducing. And so I do try to uh, teach people that, you know, you don't have to unplug like I do. I mean, I basically, there's a couple of people I see, they don't live right in my house. They're in a, uh, another structure on the property. Um, but I do spend most of my time alone. And, uh, and I don't, you know, expose myself to all that negativity. Um, but there's a price to pay for that too, because I'm a little out of touch. You know, I live in Southern California. And, uh, you know, I'll have a relative call me from the East Coast. Oh, my God, are those fires close to you? And I'm like, what fires? You know, I haven't heard about them. So I'm a little out of touch with, you know, certain pop culture and things like that that I used to keep in touch with. But then again, I'm on social media, so I'm not completely unplugged. You can't be on Facebook and Twitter and stuff without, you know, seeing things uh, leaking in. But I do think that everyone can spend more time uh, alone. And I do think that everyone can limit the uh, input that others can have to them in a negative way. And that can be friends, family, the media, co-workers. Um, a lot of people are just open doors. And it's no wonder that their consciousness is so low and that they're in a lack consciousness and they're not attracting the money they want because they're not controlling their own minds. Right. And just inherent in the process of taking control in your of your mind is taking uh, is controlling access to who has access to your mind and what kind of information you habitually uh, let in. That's so it's a really important step. You saw that, like that TV show, The Walking Dead. That's what I actually think about when you say The Walking Dead. I just think about, like you said, it's just people that's not really conscious of what they're thinking about. They're just going about their day and they're letting other people run their lives for them instead of themselves. Right. right. And that's kind of what it is. Uh, people are on automatic mm -hmm. they're they uh, they're really in like a, a stimulus response mode they just go through life and things you know are presented to them and then they just act and react and think and say and speak in all their just pre-programmed ways there's there's not a lot of original thinking going on and there's not a lot of contemplation or, uh, you know, mindfulness, like, you know, what am I feeling right now? And why am I saying this again? You know, why do I always say this? Why do I put up with this? You just, you know, people just go through life assuming that everything is, uh, you know, that they're living their lives as a walking, breathing, thinking person, but really they're on automatic. They're programmed, they're kind of like computers. They're running uh, on old programs that, for the most part, don't serve them overly well in many instances, especially in the attracting money realm on positive thinking and, and all of that, and applying the law of attraction for all areas of life. They just don't think about it. So they just, they just respond. And so, um, but, you know, mind power is uh, about focus and to take control of our minds, we need to be able to uh, focus our minds. And that means we need to not only, um, you know, think, good things but limit the bad things that we allow to reach us on a regular basis and then even with the thinking i'm also learning that you have to have a feeling behind it a vibration too right 
Right. So that's and what I'm thoughts, really trying to focus on. Thoughts automatically will uh, be connected with feelings. And that's why your thoughts are so important. Because if you have good thoughts, if you think about things you'd like to create or like to see come about or just things you enjoyed in the past or in the present, uh, you'll have good feelings. And if you think about, uh, you know, things you don't want to come about, like worry. People worry about things and they, they think about, oh, well, what if I don't have my rent money or what if I, you know, I'm one of the ones they, they cut at work and I get laid off and they're having negative images, negative concepts, and the negative emotions are going to go along with it. The way I like to explain it sometimes is the uh, thought is the mold, you know, like if you're looking at a, a picture on a wall in a frame, thought is like the frame. It's how you're framing things. But what the picture is, really, to a large degree, is, in, is um, caused by how you think. So, uh, how you feel, I mean. So, the thoughts are the mold, but the feelings and emotions actually breathe life into it. That's the stuff that really gets the universe and your subconscious mind working and, you know, creating and um, making things happen because that's, you know, it really does. People think, well, I change my thoughts and then I'll be more successful and I'll have better habits and I'll be able to uh, function at a higher level. But what a lot of people miss or don't really give enough attention to is, yeah, that's all true. But if you think and feel better and which automatically will make you have better images and everything else, you will be affecting the world out there. In other words, people's thoughts other people's thoughts, feelings, actions, circumstances in general, events will, you'll start to notice that they'll transpire and start to unfold in ways that um, help and support the visions that you're trying to bring to, to fruition. And so the, um, the thinking and the feeling, they're both extremely uh, important parts of the process. Yeah, speaking of thinking, I know you was on the uh, you was thinking grow rich the legacy a documentary right. talking about Napoleon Hill, and that's actually like so. I would say I've been kind of on this journey since two thousand six, and that was one of the first, very first books I read. So I really like his stuff, and I still study his work. So I just want you to talk about the importance of that book to you. Yeah, right. I mean, I found that book. I, I it was the first book that I found when I came to California from New Jersey um, as a young man within the first couple of years I, I somebody loaned me the book actually and uh, I mean I just knew as soon as I was reading it that oh wow this is what this is the missing piece this is what I've been missing this is I've always felt when I was younger like there was something really really important right under the surface but I didn't know what it was I almost felt like I was in a dream world there's something missing there's, there's an important piece to this thing called life and I'm missing it what is it and when I found that book I knew what it was and that was the mind power angle that was the fact that we are creative inherently you know creative beings in that our thoughts are creative in nature our thoughts actually cause things to happen to us and outside of us uh, you know, at a distance, uh, like we were talking about people's uh, thoughts and feelings, uh, people's uh, actions and things, thoughts and feelings having to do with us. And so I, it immediately set me on a course of just reading everything I could get my hands on. I started going to swap meets, used bookstores, yard sales, uh, and just finding everything I could find. Within a few years, I was teaching this stuff. 
And uh, so that was the book, though, that really started me off. Um, and uh, I, when I was teaching, you know, the metaphysics and things, I would find that a lot of people who knew about this stuff, some of them had been studying it for a decade or more, longer than I had, but routinely they would say things like, well, you know, James, you know, I've, I've used it for this, I, you know, I, I used it to get the perfect relationship and that and these, these techniques, but why doesn't it work for money? And I would always say, well, it does work for money. It works exactly the same. But I was really intrigued by the fact that so many people had, had more of a challenge using it for money than other areas of their life. And so that's why that was my first book, How to Attract Money Use My Power, because I wanted to address that. And what I found was there's a lot of issues, and I cover them in the book. You know, uh, uh, self-image is important, and I give that a chapter in the book. Um, but what I found also very telling was that people really didn't use the principles and the techniques specifically for money to the degree that they should have been to create what it was they said they were trying to create. And part of that is that there's just so, so much negativity and uh, confusion around money. And we have all these conflicting thoughts and ideas. Yeah, we want more, but yet we have these ideas that, well, if we have too much, then someone else won't have enough. And the rich people are bad and, and uh, dishonest. And, um, you know, things are tough all over. And just, you know, money is the root of all evil. All of these uh, negative ideas. So there's a lot of conflict. And so we need to get through that conflict. And we need to focus our minds. And we need to bring uh, all of our thoughts and feelings having anything to do with money. I call it our money mindset. And it's a chapter in, in, in uh, How to Attract Money Using Mind Power. And um, we need to bring it all into line. And when we do, and we don't have to be on point all the time. We don't have to be, you know, doing affirmations 24 hours a day or anything like that. But when we get a hold of this thing and we understand how mind power works and when we work it properly, um, our whole lives change. Everything changes, our finances and everything else. I like how it's one chapter that is stuck out to me a lot is speak as if. Right. I think that's very important. You gotta, you gotta like watch your words and what you say about yourself. Oh, it's so important. People do not what you say about yourself, what you say about things in general, your circumstances. People don't realize that they are speaking themselves into poverty. They're speaking themselves into you know problems, into disharmony, into sickness. People because our words are so powerful. Um, and if I can uh, take a look here in the book, uh, as you know, I quote 160 um, other books, you know, separate books, separate authors in the book. And I have eight quotes in each chapter. And just uh, on the speak as if, um, uh, Julia Seaton, The Science of Success, 1914. And she wrote, if we listen to the words of the failure multitude, we will soon learn that by their words, they are justified and condemned. That was Julia Seaton, The Science of Success, 1914. Um, uh, Walter DeVoe, Mystic Words of Mighty Power, 1905. Thoughts are living things, and spoken words give to thoughts a body of physical vibrations, which makes them still stronger. And there's others in here, and I like to, to read those to people sometimes because they think like, uh, how you know how can this be what what you say creates your life and you know i'm just saying these things because they're true 
And uh, that's true to one degree, but there's another degree that they're missing, and that is, yes, they may be saying these things because they're true, but these things are true because they're saying them. Right. And so I like people to know that, uh, yeah, I didn't make this stuff up. I studied hundreds of books. You know, I collected hundreds of quotes and whittled it down to the 160 that I used. Um, this information has been around for hundreds and even thousands of years in different spiritual traditions and religions and just teachings of great minds of all times. And um, But, you know, if, if people come away, I always hope that everyone who listens to an interview I do they come away with at least one thing that can utterly transform their lives, um, whether or not they ever read my book or even read any other book on, on Mind Power Again. And if this was the only lesson they, they remember, was that our words create our reality because they form our thoughts. Our words not only form our thoughts, but they affect our thoughts. They expose our thoughts. You know, our, uh, the words come out of our mouth, but they go right back in our ears. So if what we're saying is uh, what we don't want, like I hope this doesn't happen or I'm afraid that's going to happen, then we're actually reinforcing it and making it more uh, probable. So simply by uh, changing the way we speak and speaking as if, which basically the technique as it has to do with money is that you always want to strive to speak as if those financial circumstances you want to be reality either are now or will be reality. And if that's all you do, you'll utterly transform your finances. Um, but the, the beauty of, of the techniques, really, and the way I, I present them, is that you can't just do one technique without inadvertently doing others. In other words, speaking as if is basically a form of positive affirmation. That's another technique. Speaking as if, when you speak about things the way you want them to be, automatically images will arise uh, within your mind of those things. And so that's visualization comes into it. And when we have those positive images, we're just naturally going to think about those end results we want. That's another technique in a book, think end results. And we're going to have the positive feelings that, uh, that are associated with that. It's another technique, another chapter, think and feel as if. But a person doesn't have to know anything about any of all of that I just said. If all they knew was speak as if, you can see how they would be doing all those other things as a natural consequence without even knowing it. And that's why I, I always tell people, you can take one technique. I once used uh, a sim one simple affirmation and, uh, because I was $10,000 in credit card debt and going in deeper each month. And, and now it got to the point where I was using the... Um, uh, cards not only to make up the difference of what I needed to live, uh, our household, but also to pay the cards. So this was spiraling out of control. But I, I, but I already knew these techniques. I had already used them. But it's not always just what you know. It's what you're doing at the time. You can know all of this stuff, and you can end up in debt like I did. And uh, but I used one simple affirmation. Now, as I just uh, you know alluded to and explained, I was doing all kinds of other things as a, as a result of that, but not consciously. I just focused on the affirmation. And it was, um, all of my credit cards are completely paid off. And I did that affirmation morning, night, in the day, out verbally when I could, um, not constantly, but a lot each day. Uh, silently in my mind most of the time. You can be around other people. They don't even know you're doing it. And uh, 
I had no idea how this could come about, though. Back then, more than 35 years ago, uh, $10,000 might, might just as well have been $10 million. That's how much <laughs> it seemed like to me and really would have been. And But about four to six weeks into that process, a person came into my life who I didn't know that well, had only met once or twice before, and they were in my home through a, a set of circumstances that started in their life, because they lived 150 miles away, about the time I started doing my affirmation, like right at that time, their life started having uh, changes, and all of these things led to them being in, in my household at this time four to six weeks later, and uh, probably about a month later. And um, I mentioned the debt that the household had, the $10,000, and this person had just come into a whole lot of money, like within the day before, and uh, or possibly even the same day, because this was evening already. And... They said that, uh, well, you don't need that debt. And they actually wrote me a check, wrote us a check as a gift for $10,000. And I deposited that check. And then each credit card that came in, I paid the bill off in full. So within the next few weeks or so, I was completely debt free. I just started with that one affirmation, one technique and just bulldogged it and focused on it because this stuff does work. And uh, it's also another great lesson there is we don't have to know how it's going to work. Right. We can't even figure out half the time. We, we couldn't, I could never have conceived this, just, you know, uh, other than like winning the lottery or stumbling on a bag of money in the street, I wouldn't know how this could happen. But the universe knows and your subconscious mind knows. If you use the techniques, if you develop the belief and expectancy, uh, and those are chapters two and three, very important, belief and expectancy. But within the first couple of days of saying the affirmation, I really did truly believe it. I felt it. I expected it. I felt like it had already happened. I was just so excited about it. And I was, all of my credit cards are completely paid off, like when I was riding my bike to work and things like that. Um, and it had to happen. It had to happen. And when you let the universe and your subconscious mind, which really they're very intertwined, there's there's no clear line between them in my mind where they can be separated. They're like one working unit, which is why the, your subconscious mind is so powerful. But, you know, I I could not have come up with that. There, there's just no way. But the point is that all of the changes, too, that happened in that person's life were positive. It was a, a complete upheaval, a complete change of life. They were never able to go back in back that 150 miles and take that life up again, but it probably saved their life that they got out of what they were in. And that brings up an important point. When we figure out what we want, you know, that's part of our job and that's fine. And sometimes with our conscious mind, we figure out uh, how to get what we want and we try, we try those ways. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. But when we let the universe and the, our subconscious minds figure out the way, uh, and we're open to our part, because there will be little things we need to do, but a lot of it, we don't even have to do. It happens out there. Like I said, people's actions and the circumstances and events in general will mold to that. But when that process is in play, what I've found invariably without uh, exception over decades of using these techniques is that everything will always work out for the highest best good of all and uh, in a complete um, divine 
uh, harmony and, and divine order, and no one will suffer any due loss to help bring our gain. Now, I say no one will suffer any uh, undue, I mean. No one will suffer any undue loss because people may lose, but it's not undue. In other words, they're a bad person. They were taking advantage, and now the, the tables are turned around. But it's just a much safer way uh, then some people try to use mind power, and, and it can be used in these ways to actually orchestrate, uh, I want to get this amount of money from that person, and I'm going to use my mind power and techniques of persuasion and all of this. And you're getting into very uh, muddy and dangerous waters. Mm -hmm. But if you can learn to trust the universe in your subconscious mind and keep end results oriented, and stay positive, keep the vision, do the different uh, techniques that are in the book that I teach and that other people teach, and then let things unfold. You will always find that they work out in ways you couldn't have imagined. They work out in uh, divine order and, and often work out much better than, than, you, than you could have even imagined, and often you'll get more than you were even going for to begin with. That's the power of allowing the universe and your subconscious mind to do their job. You do your job, but don't try to do theirs, and everything's going to work out okay, financially and in all ways. And then how important is meditation in this? And then how do you meditate if you meditate? Right. Um, I think, you know, I've tried various um, types of meditation, and some of the, you know, breathing exercises and this and that, and uh, some of the teachers... Um, that are, you know, teaching law of attraction and, and things like that, they um, do meditate, and they're avid meditators and advocate it. And I tell people, you know, a lot of people really can't relate to meditating. And so um, there's really nothing in the book specifically about meditating. You're, you're creating, it's kind of a walking meditation. You're creating an affirmative, positive state of mind in, in which you are already living in the circumstances that you want within your mind. You've already got the bank account. It's a form of meditation, some people have said, but it's not meditation in the normal sense. And I tell people, you know, I've tried different forms of meditation, and, and you know, they're beneficial. And I tell people, if you meditate, then that's great. You know, keep it up. There's nothing in this book that will conflict with that. But I also tell people, listen, if you just have no interest in meditating or you've tried it and it just doesn't work or whatever, no problem whatsoever because uh, the techniques, uh, the 20 points that I cover in, in the 20 chapters, they really have, the meditation is not a part of it. So um, to create, to use mind power, to create and manifest all the money you desire, uh, meditation isn't going to hurt you, but it's not at all necessary in the process. Hmm. And then I was reading about, I just now started hearing about this one, the astral travel, but I saw you, you're, so what exactly is that? Right. Well, I've been a natural born, I call myself a natural born astral traveler. Uh, I started, um, my, my earliest memories are when, from when I was like, maybe the house we were in, I think I was there I lived there from when I was five to about six and a half. And so I have very vivid memories from that time of, I didn't realize what it was. My mother uh, told me many years later, she said, yeah, back then she said, you you hated to go to sleep. <laughs> you were afraid to sleep. You didn't want to sleep. And, and, and the reason was, was because I would get out of my body. 
you know, uh, and just astral travel can just doesn't have to be to some other astral dimensions. Also, although I do that too, it can be other places on this planet. But it also, technically speaking, in my mind, uh, you know, any out of body experience is astral travel because you're traveling astrally. You're getting out of your body. So I used to wake up in my sleeping body and sit up in my bed uh, as a little boy and not know that I was still sleeping. In other words, I would think I'm awake, uh, sitting on my bed. And um, strange, you know, it, it always had a very strange, eerie feeling in the room. And But I can tell you about one experience that's really quite amazing. It was in that same house. And uh, I was terrified to go to sleep because I was having this same quote-unquote dream but it wasn't a dream. Years later, when I got into astral traveling and lucid dreaming and things, I recognized that I was out of my body. But I had this dream where I would wake up in my bed, and uh, this is back in New Jersey, and the old Italian lady from across the street would be sitting in my room uh, right there looking at my bed. And I, I get the little hair standing up on my neck right now just talking about this every time I talk about it. Um, she was sitting in the rocking chair, uh, and she kind of looked like a witch, and she was a very old, you know, gray-haired Italian lady, and she was just sitting there rocking back and forth looking at me, and then she started rocking faster, faster, and, and cackling like a witch, and just yelling, you know, it got to, and the wind started whipping out around, and her hair was flying, and, and she was rocking like a maniac, screaming like a witch, and her chair then started spinning around and would eventually go right up through the ceiling. And I would wake up just, you know, freaked. Um, but, and I thought that was a dream. About, and I had that same dream every night for like, let's say a week or so. It was a, a, a whole series of days. And uh, on the, the last day that I'd had that dream, and I was in the kitchen in the morning, and my mother came in, and she said, or later, you know, mid-morning, and she said, so-and-so, you know, from across the street died last night. And I, it was the old lady, and I never had that dream again. Hmm. That was it. But she was, uh, I don't know exactly, I don't know that she knew what she was doing, but she may have been, you know, some, a lot of people uh, do know about out of body. But I, I don't know what, why she would have been trying to terrorize me or whatever, but the point is that I had the same dream every single night, even, uh, I thought it was a dream, but I later recognized it as a classic out-of-body experience. Um, and then she died, and then I never had that dream again. So, uh, but astral travel, <clears throat> I've been to, uh, you know, I've done it, I've induced uh, out-of-body experiences, and they also often can happen once you, you get used to this, and anybody can do this, I'm convinced we all do this every single night. We detach from our bodies, but most people simply don't remember the experiences. Um, but uh, I think that uh, anybody can learn it, though. So, But at times I'll just uh, become aware that I'm standing at the uh, other end of my room, and I'll look back at my, my bed, and I'll realize I'm out of my body. And then I can go outside, I can fly, I can do whatever I want. Sometimes I will wake up um, inside of my sleeping body. And so I'll open my eyes and I'll think I'm awake, but my eyelids are actually still closed. And so then when you realize you're, you're in your body still, 
Um, then there's different techniques that different teachers uh, teach, uh, and I've tried some of them, and they work. Like you can rock back and forth, and then you can eventually rock out of your body and you know put your feet down on the floor and stand up, or you can rise up. There's ways to induce out-of-body experiences, like you're falling off to sleep and you keep you imagine yourself floating up out of your body or being on the other side of the room. I've had that bilocality thing where I've actually been conscious of being in my body in the bed, looking at myself and the door, but I'm also in my body looking back. So I'm actually in both places at one time. Uh, and another very interesting thing is that I um, uh, became aware of another life I have in a parallel dimension. And that was, um, I was, I was in a normal dream. It was at night and I was on the street. And then it turned into a lucid dream, which means a lucid dream is simply, and I started doing these uh, lucid dreams, and I'm a, a natural uh, for lucid dreaming because I'm a natural born astral traveler, but I read my first book on lucid dreaming um, back uh, whatever year that was, I think it was the Gulf War, and I was living up in Oregon. And I read my first book on lucid dreaming and took to it right away. But in this particular dream, I was in a normal dream, and then I became lucid. In other words, I realized I was dreaming. And then it turned into an astral, a full-blown astral experience where I got scooped up from behind. There was some kind of a being that grabbed, that took a hold of me, was holding me like you'd hold a baby in your arms. And then uh, we were going through a really long, uh, dark tunnel. And I was just seeing these like little windows on the sides. And I could sense and kind of see that there was people looking out of those windows. And then we came out the other end, we were traveling at a very accelerated speed, and we came out the other end, and this being went, and it was like a countryside setting, and it, and it just set me down, I never looked back and saw it or anything, it set me down on a porch of a house, and I didn't know where I was or recognize it, but I walked through the door, I didn't knock or anything, and I just, I like I knew where to go, and I walked straight up the stairs and to the right and into a, a bedroom, and there was a woman lying on the bed. And I walked over to her and I bent down and, and kissed her. And it was all very natural. And I realized that she was my woman, whether that's a wife or whatever. And then I realized and I pulled down the, the, um, uh, the cover there a little and she had a baby and I realized that was my baby. In other words, in uh, and, and quantum mm -hmm. physics and, and different teachers, they, they believe we live parallel lives. And so that's one through astral travel, out-of-body experience that I actually discovered. The only thing about, and I never saw myself, I never thought to look at my own hands there to see if, you know, I was like her. But uh, the odd thing about her, which did not seem odd to me at all, I didn't even, you know, really think about it probably uh, until later the next day, is that she was blue. She had blue skin and she was oriental. But everything else looked normal. It looked like a regular country house, regular furniture, bed, everything, except for she was a blue oriental um, woman. So, um, you know, the dream state, uh, that's a whole other thing. The dream state, the out-of-body state. I mean, I get all kinds of information in my dreams. Uh, people's real intentions toward me are... are um, uh, exposed, you know, I have these little scenarios and I see what they really think and feel. Uh, I lived one time next door to a, a house where the neighbor was very nosy and one night I, I woke up in my body startled 
Uh, and I, but I was in, I was, you know, awake now in consciousness, but I was startled. I felt something was wrong. And so I rocked out of my body and I went over to the front window real quick. I felt like somebody was there and it was the neighbor peeking in my window. And uh, as soon as they saw me, they ran back and like went right through their door or window or whatever. But it wasn't the neighbor. It was the neighbor in their astral body. Mm. And I've talked to that neighbor before, an old Italian guy, just happened to be another Italian guy, but this was in uh, California. And um, the landlord was Italian, and he owned the house I was in and the house this person was in, next door to each other. I, I know that that person was not an astral traveler. They didn't know anything about out of body. They didn't even know they were out of their body. The next day, I'm certain they never remembered it. But that showed me, that was one of the examples that showed me that everybody's getting out of their body. They just don't remember. And when he was out of his body, he was a little more free. He could walk right through the fence. There wasn't a fence to climb over mm -hmm. and things like that. He probably didn't even see the fence because uh. a lot of things don't register. So, yeah, so that's another fascinating uh, area of, you know, endeavor that I'm going to be writing about. Um, and that's uh, lucid dreaming, astral travel, and uh, out-of-body experiences. Yeah, I was yeah. say, so what exactly is lucid dreaming, though? Lucid dreaming is very simply... That you, um, while you're dreaming, you become aware that you are dreaming. Mm. And it can be, uh, oftentimes, it is, um, it's prompted by stress. We're very afraid in the dream and just there's no way out and just, it's like a, a protection, protective mechanism, I guess. We, we wake up in our dreams, but I am not aware of ever having woken up in a dream and realized I was dreaming until I read my first book about it. And I had my first lucid dream the first night. So people just hearing us right now, they might have a, a, a lucid dream tonight once you know that it's possible. And there's certain ways to induce lucid dreaming. And one is to, um, and people even without reading about lucid dreaming, they can do this one thing and perhaps uh, uh, come up with some lucid dreams for themselves. And that is to uh, what they call uh, testing your state or state testing. And what it is is like I'm awake right now and uh, I will, and if I want to do lucid dreaming and I haven't been doing it, then I'll do some of this and then I'll start doing it again because it's, I'll always have lucid dreams and out of body even with no thought to it one whatsoever, spontaneous, uh, but sporadic. But so I'm sitting here right now uh, talking to you and I can ask myself, is this a dream? Could this be a dream? Am I really awake? And of course, uh, the first thing that we're going to think of was, of course, I'm awake. Um, and that's the same thing in a dream. No matter what craziness is going on, you could be talking to a three eyed waitress in a, in a you know, uh, honky tonk bar with Elvis, who's dead, singing on the stage. And, like, you'll, you'll think, well, of course I'm, oh, this is real. But then you test your state, and there's different ways to do it. One is that it's been found, and it's a universal experience, that if you look at anything uh, written, you know, I have a piece of paper here, or I have my book title I can look at. Well, if I look away from it and look back, if I'm dreaming, it will have changed. Hmm. For some reason, in a dream... Uh, the printed word and letters and numbers are not stated. So if you turn away and turn back, so that's one way to test your state. I can look at the book, I turn away, I look back, it's still the same. Another way, which is one of my favorites and the one I most often use, if I'm in a dream and I, all of a sudden I have the thought, 
I wonder if I could be dreaming. I take my hand and I'll find a wall or a table or something and I'll push really hard. And I'll do it right now because I'm not sure. Well, I am sure now because the book cover didn't change. But I'll push really, really hard with my hand on the table. And if I'm dreaming at some point, and it won't take very long, three, four seconds, it'll go into the table mm -hmm. or it'll go into the wall and share the same space. Uh, and another one I do sometimes is um, I'll jump up in the air and I'll see if I'm dreaming, I absolutely 100% am going to stay up a little bit longer and come down a little slower than is normal with uh, our gravity here. And so there's certain ways to test it, but it's a, a very empowering uh, people who talk about it, uh, and anybody can go online today, they can punch up some videos about it, they can look at uh, books about it, uh, you know, articles about it, but it's very, very empowering. People wake up just feeling elated and, and with a new sense of uh, vigor and power, and, uh, and, they, and it carries sometimes, quite often, through the entire rest of the day. It's a I think it's one of the uh, most uh, powerful um, spiritual um, exercises because it really is a practice. Lucid dreaming is a practice and I've heard it said, I'm not saying it because I don't have enough experience with a, you know one uh, technique of meditation to make this judgment call. I'm not qualified to make it, but I have heard people say that it's as effective or as powerful a spiritual practice as any form of meditation that's ever been devised. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not, but some people uh, seem to think that. Um, when you're in your, when you're aware that you're dreaming, when you're in your dreams, it changes everything. Like I can be in a dark room and I can say um, lighter, 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 and just through sheer force of will and intention, make the room get lighter. Mm. I can fly, I can, uh, and have and do, I can um, fly under the ocean and breathe and fly as much, you know, stay under the water as long as I want. Um, but, you know, and then there's the wish fulfillment uh, angle. A lot of people, uh, you'll see in the writings, they, they, they have sex in their dreams because they know th their inhibitions are gone. They know they're dreaming. They like that uh, woman that's across the street or something is appealing to them or the man. And there's no rules and they can do anything they want. So some people use it for wish fulfillment. It's really good for facing your fears, you know, like in the beginning, if let's say you're running down the street and some uh, people are chasing you, you know, some muggers or whatever, and you're really, really afraid and you don't test your state, but just because you're a lucid dreamer, the, the stress of the fear causes you to become lucid. And then you say, oh, wait, oh, this is just a dream. Uh, then you have a choice. In the beginning, most people are going to fly away. They're going to say, oh, this is a dream. I can fly. And so they're going to fly away from the danger. But as you get further in, you realize there's even more benefit from not flying away, but from turning and facing it. And just to give an example, I was, uh, had a dream one time that I was on this, uh, this gravelly dirt road out in the country somewhere, and I was running. I was being chased by men on horseback. Six men, eight men, I don't know, but big men, big horses, and they all had slingshots. And they were shooting me with the, the rocks um, with their slingshots, and it really, really hurt, like I was awake. And uh, through the stress and the fear, I became aware that I was dreaming. 
And of course, my first thought is, oh, I can fly away now. But then I thought, no, I'm going to face this. And I turned around and I just stood my ground and they kept coming. They kept shooting at things. I kept feeling them. And I just said, you have no power over me. You have no power over me. And I just stood my ground and they started shooting the slingshots less. And then the horses slowed way down and seemed to get smaller. The, the men and the horses got smaller and a little paler, not so vibrant in color. And they started kind of like looking around at each other like they were embarrassed to be there. And there's a great spiritual lesson in, in this, in that so much of what we fear in the physical, material world is not the, the boogeyman that we think it is. Our fear feeds it its power. Our fear makes it what it is. We've all heard, you know, what we resist persists. I coined a new phrase that's in uh, one, my quote book, JGJ Thoughts, Volume 1, and that is we give might to what we fight. So, uh, and that's another great point. I've also, in dreams where I'm facing danger, a bad guy, a monster or whatever, I've also thought, well, I can't really get hurt, so let me get in there and fight this thing. And what you find is the more you fight it, the more it fights back. The more you exert force against this dream thing, even though you know it's a dream thing, even though you know it's a, uh, you're dreaming, the stronger it seems to get. And it's, it's almost like a mirror reflection. The, the, the resistance you're putting out is met by resistance back. The, the uh, violence or the force you're trying to exert from yourself is reflected right back to you. The stronger you feel you are or you try to be, the stronger that which you are fighting is. And it's a very, uh, it's, it brings in the, you know, the spiritual um, angle that we were talking about, about lucid dreaming, is that it's just so uh, much uh, a record and a, an indication and a mirror of how things are in this world. And in the waking state, here's another thing. And many mystics have said that life is but a dream. You know, we're, we're in, basically life is a dream world. Quantum physics actually uh, backs this up. You know, it's a world of energy and consciousness. Physical matter is an illusion. You know, the spaces uh, between atoms and molecules in this table just may as well be as far away from each other as the moon is from the sun, you know, or as uh, our planet is from the moon. And um, we learn, we, we become more aware in this life that it is a dream also. And we start to see that, uh, figuratively speaking, and I've heard reports of people who have actually done it, but I've never seen it myself, but that figuratively speaking, at least, that we can fly. Life is a dream. We know we're dreaming. Like, I know this is a dream, too. It's the other dream. It's a different kind of dream, but it's also a dream. And I also know that, like, in the other, the nighttime dreams, the lucid dreams, that if I fight something, it's going to fight me back. If I resist something, it's going to persist. If I run away from something, it's going to chase me. If I turn and face something and, and um, master my own fear, that thing is going to be shown to be probably nothing but certainly much, much less of a threat than I uh, would have imagined it to be. And uh, we have the power, figuratively speaking, in this lifetime to fly. We can just say, you know, instead of, uh, I want this room to be light, 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 you know, I need a new car. New car, new car, new car. And, you know, whether someone gives you a car, I've had uh, someone give me a car. 
uh, when we came back to town, back to San Diego, uh, gave us a car, and we needed a car. So um, we had lived out of state several times uh, many years ago. So uh, again, lucid dreaming in itself, and, and there's a lot of parallels. I gave the one example where I went from my from a uh, standard dream into a lucid dream, then immediately into uh, an astral, uh, a full-blown astral travel experience. There's overlap in all of these. And uh, when I started doing lucid dreaming uh, consciously, I was keeping journals every day. I had all these experiences I was having. Um, and my dream recall went way up. And that's another way to um, uh, help induce lucid dreaming is to start being aware of what you're dreaming now. And that means dream journal, whether it's writing down your dreams or um, a recorder. And you got to do it really quick because later on you'll forget. So if I wake up, uh, you know, at three o'clock to go to the bathroom and I got a little piece of a dream, I'll jot it down real quick so I can remember it because invariably in the morning I, I won't remember. Uh, but that's another thing that you'll find uh, your dream recall goes way up. Um, and you can simply induce, help induce lucid dreaming now that you know that it, it's a, a possibility uh, through. The, the, your first step can be um, keeping a dream journal, which as soon as you start keeping it, you'll see your dream recall will go way up automatically. Mm -hmm. You can start writing one little piece of a dream, and all of a sudden you remember more of it that you didn't remember a moment ago. And you can keep writing, and then you'll remember the dream before. It's a very amazing. It's like grabbing a, a tiny little thread, and you can start pulling it. And I got to the point uh, up in Oregon there, we were snowed in in the winter and all this stuff, and where I was spending hours transcribing from the tapes into the notebook, a couple of hours. I mean, there was so much information. Um, but what I found is when I started doing lucid dreaming, it's all I was trying to do after I read the, the book in Oregon, uh, Exploring the World of Lucid Dreaming, I think it was, by Stephen LeBurge, who was a <clears throat> lucid dreaming uh, researcher at Stanford University. And um, but automatically my out of body experiences went through the roof. I mean, almost every night I was finding myself, uh, you know, just all of a sudden become aware that I'm standing in the in the kitchen, and I'm like, well, what am I doing here? And I'd start looking around. I notice things are you know, a little off. They have a kind of a fuzzy, uh, weird feeling to them, and I would realize I'm out of my body. And then sometimes I'd go outside and fly, or I could do whatever I want. So uh, lucid dreaming. And um, uh, astral body and out of body experiences—they're—they're they're very. There's not a clear line between them. They're very, very interrelated. <clears throat> and some people, <clears throat> just for those people who will think that um, possibly this is not true, like you, you, your mind fills it in afterwards, but you didn't really realize you were dreaming in a dream. Absolutely not true. What Stephen LeBurge. Uh, found out in the Stanford studies was they had a dream laboratory. And um, what they did, so they were, they found out that people dream in REM sleep, you know, the rapid eye movements, REM, REM sleep. And they could tell, and so they would have people hooked up to all the things, and they'd have them in the sleep lab overnight sleeping. And they, they found, of course, that the eye movements were when they were dreaming. So they could wake a person up from REM sleep when they saw the eye movements, and they could then ask that person, because they're waking them up while they were dreaming, they could ask them, well, what were you dreaming? And But I guess, I don't know if this was the first 
case, uh, but it may have been, where in rapid eye movement sleep, your eyes just, under your eyelids, they're just darting around. And they noticed that um, this person's eye movements were going left, right, left, right, left, right. Very unusual. And they woke the person up in that point, and they said, what were you dreaming? And they said, well, I was watching a tennis match. Hmm. And so it's been proven that the eyes in the sleeping body behind the closed eyelids are moving the same as the dreaming eyes in the dreaming body when you're dreaming. And that, but that, you know, more important than that fact is just that that is absolute indisputable proof, scientifically proven, that lucid dreaming is real. We can actually be sound asleep, deep in a dream, and become aware that we're dreaming. And, you know, you can get spiritual knowledge in dreams. You can seek out someone and, and ask them questions. You can you can uh, come up with a, a spiritual teacher. I mean, you can you can make huge uh, spiritual progress. And, I, you know, I haven't been inducing them lately. I'm actually, I, you know, I have a spontaneous one maybe every few weeks or whatever. But I'm actually going to start doing this again now because I'm getting excited about it again as I talk about it. I'm going to start doing a little induction and stuff because um, it's a spiritually very enlightening and empowering uh, process. You gain spiritual knowledge, not from some teacher here or some book. Or you gain knowledge direct from the source. And the thing is, you carry it into your waking life. And it's not only true there. Whatever you learn there is also true here. So... Lucid dreaming. I'm I'm really a, a really pro lucid dreaming uh, because it's a very uh, powerful um, spiritual uh, practice. All right. So uh, interviews. We're like at 50 minutes right now. So it's, there's a lot of more questions I want to ask you, but hopefully uh, we probably can do a follow up later. A few months. Certainly, now, so. certainly. I'm open anytime. So one more question, and then I'm gonna wrap it up. This is simple. Okay. This is kind of off the wall. But what do you think about cats? I always see, I see a lot of people, like, cats have a meaning. <laughs> right. Um, actually, I don't know what to say about cats. I can tell you that I am uh, allergic to cats. Oh. Uh, much less in my older years, but, you know, I was allergic to cats. Uh, had allergies as, as a kid, and, uh, but we always had cats, and I didn't know that. I can be allergic to birds, some dogs. I have different kinds of allergies. But I do know that uh, people use them uh, like the old, you know, familiar, they call it, in, in, you know, a witch will have a black cat kind mm -hmm. of a thing. But I do know um, that uh, animals, I mean, I communicate with animals, um, uh, not as a, like I'm not a horse whisperer or anything, but I have uh, uh, talked to horses. And I, my friend, my friend Kathy, who's a medium, a very advanced uh, medium and, uh, and psychic in that way, not so much reading the future, but uh, she she talks to animals too, and they tell her about what you know, like a dog will tell her what it's like at home and stuff. So I do know that cats and animals are very um, intelligent, all animals really, and they there is a spiritual component there. Um, I, I we've been in houses where the pet has died and then it's still there, you know, still romping around, only healthy now and, and younger. So. Um, I believe that uh, their spirits, just like ours, were here before they came into this world and that they still exist after they go out and that 
people have connections with animals, whether they be cats, dogs, or whatever, that they do carry from lifetime to lifetime. In other words, the same animals, the same people will seek each other out. All right, I want to say thank you for coming through politics with me. Yeah, yeah, it's been great, and uh, uh, a nice surprise. We got into some other areas, too, that I wasn't, uh, uh, you know, we didn't know we would get into. I would like to mention for people who attracting money is their... Um, their thing or their need that, of course, my book is How to Attract Money Using Mind Power. But if they go to my website, uh, James, G-O-I-J-R.com, they can sign up for my free monthly Mind Power and Money e-zine, which is a great resource. But they can also, when they do that, download a free PDF copy of my book, Attract Money Forever, which is a companion book to How to Attract Money Using Mind Power. covers all the same topics. And also, if they like to read Kindle books, they can go to Amazon and they can download a free copy. I'm keeping it free all the time and it's my little book called 10 Metaphysical Secrets of Manifesting Money and that's completely free as a Kindle uh, download from Amazon. Popolitikin.com Thanks for listening to Popolitikin.com a self-help meets hip-hop brand. If you are an artist or business owner wanting to be featured on Popolitikin.com Contact us at popolitikin at gmail.com. That's P-O-P-O-L-I-T-I-C-K-I-N at gmail.com. Or text 760-717-5803. If you're a listener that enjoys the show and wants to support, you can donate to popolitikin.com via paypal.com. Please send donations to popolitikin at gmail.com. Any amount will be helpful in continuing to create quality content and shows. As always, check out popolitikin.com for past episodes. Make sure you subscribe to Popolitikin on iTunes, YouTube, Podomatic, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play.